0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today for Episode 19. We're in a conversation series called Leaders in the Living Room. This series is all about helping followers of Jesus to glean wisdom from Christian leaders from around the country on how to lead in their homes and workplaces during seasons like the one we're in with the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, Lead Pastor Rusty George joins the episode to share wisdom and insight from his new book, After Amen. Well, here we go. This
1: is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. We're super excited for today's episode as we continue our conversation series called Leaders in the Living Room. We are talking to Christian leaders around the country about how they've been leading uh, through this season. And I am really excited for today's guest. He has become a great friend and now boss. I am excited to introduce you to the lead pastor of Real Life Church Ministries, Rusty George. Rusty, say hi to the podcast for me.
1: Hello, everybody. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, we're so grateful to have you on. Rusty and I met, gosh, almost two years ago at a little Starbucks in Palmdale, California. Yep, that's right. Talking about basketball, he's a Tar Heel fan, so we'll forgive him for that, you know, sad day.
1: So's God. That's why the sky is Tar Heel blue.
0: (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. But you know what? He's a Lakers fan, so that's where we unite on, and that's all good. Well, Rusty, why don't you jump us off here and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, why you do it. Mm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm a fan of the podcast and I've enjoyed it since its beginning. Uh, I've been a pastor now for 26 plus years and uh, been in California at Real Life Church for the last 17. I served at a church in Kentucky, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, a favorite place Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, nine years before that. And I uh, had a great, great time there as an associate pastor and felt like God was calling me to become a lead pastor. And I got a lead pastor job at this um, incredible church called Real Life that was about two and a half years old at the time, meeting in a movie theater. So came out here and uh, jumped into that. And man, just the craziness ensued, of life in a movie theater and then a high school and building a building in California and now leading a multi-site campus and leading church through COVID as well, as many of us are scratching our head on still.
0: Oh, man. And it's been, we just celebrated 20 years of Real Life Church. So congratulations on on making it 20 years.
1: Well, thank you. And I love the fact that I'm not the guy that started it. So it gives me tremendous perspective and that God was up to something before I got here, and He'll probably keep the shop open after I'm gone. So I get to just uh, do my part for my time.
0: That That's great. Uh, that's a great perspective to have. And which is why... Uh, transitioning to our conversation about leaders in the living room. You know, Rusty has been somebody that I've, I've watched since meeting, uh, just kind of lead and lead so well with his humility, uh, with his posture. It's never been about Rusty George. It's been about what God is doing in the kingdom. I love uh, the mission of Real Life Church is why I joined it, which is to help people find and follow Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is we try to encourage people to lead well, wherever they are, whether it be their living room or their workspaces. So during the season of the pandemic, which has been crazy, why don't you tell us how your living room has been going? How's it been leading your family and subsequently your workplace through this season?
1: You know, I feel like, and I, and I heard this from somebody else, so and I can't remember who or I'd give them credit, but they said it's a little bit like when you, We're in junior high, and you got invited over to your buddy's house to spend the night. He had such a great time. You talked your mom into him coming over to your house the next night, and then you try it again for a third night, and you end up in a (laughs) fistfight. And sometimes too much togetherness uh, doesn't allow absence makes the heart grow fonder to happen. Mm. Uh, And I think that's kind of where we all are right now. I think with online school and online work and, you know, the Zoom calls and the... But not the normal, uh, you know, kind of uh, just going to work and coming home and the, the routine of life, it has really made it difficult. And not just for my family, but it makes it difficult for everybody's family. And there's so much as I believe it was um, Harvard Business Review said there's a new level of grief uh, in the six, in five stages of grief. The sixth mm. one is anticipatory grief in that we're mm. all grieving what has yet to happen. You know, when 9-11 happened, we grieved what had happened. Uh, when this happened, we're grieving what might happen. In other words, what are the results of the election going to mean for us? What um, will this uh, pandemic mean for us when it comes to the economy? And what about even my own personal health? Will this come back? Will it come back worse? Will we ever have life without masks? There's just the the fatigue of not knowing what's next. And then I think the final thing is just decision fatigue. It used to be you had a, a sense of okay, it's Monday, this is what I do. Tuesday, this is what I do. This is why Steve Jobs always wore the black turtleneck because he didn't have to make a decision on what to wear. It saved his mental space. And I think for us, we're so consumed with having to make decisions. uh, We're just exhausted, and we don't really know how to make good decisions anymore.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's so good. I, I love this. Anticipatory grief, because I think it's so true. Uh, it's like daily we wake up and it's like, okay, what's going to happen today? What crazy news today? We had murder hornets yesterday. I'm assuming Godzilla's coming through later on today. Like it's always, you know, it's always like, what is coming today? And that, and and as you said, man, that has a profound effect on us and our health, both spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically.
1: Mm -hmm. It really does. And I don't think we knew that going in. Going into it, we thought, this is fun. It's like where I'm from, if you got a snow day and got to stay home from school, that was just great. Uh, But it's been a snow day for six months, seven months. And we're just wondering, I think we've stopped asking the question, when will things get back to normal? Now we're asking, what will the new normal be? Which as a leader... You're trying to be the guy that says I got to define reality, I got to define where we're going, and define how we get there. And no one knows where we're going. Um, right. I sit on uh, you know Zoom calls with pastors from all over the country, and everybody's scratching their head. Nobody was leading a church back in 1918 with the Spanish flu. So you know, right. how do we lead through this pandemic? And you know the church has kind of turned on itself throughout the election. And how do we put those pieces back together? And can our country put itself back together after a, uh, a long and bitter debate over politics right. and, and uh, social unrest, and of course COVID? So right. I think it puts leaders in a in a very difficult situation. That I would just first of all say to all the leaders listening to to this podcast: uh, if you feel tired, you are not alone. Absolutely. Don't quit. In fact, I, we've we've seen a rash amount of people just do so many ridiculous things when it comes to blowing up their marriages or their churches or their families or their careers. When, if there's ever a time to make a decision about, you know, quitting ministry, this is not it. It's hard (laughs) and it's hard for everybody. Uh, This is not a season you look around and think, well, Rick Warren's got it made or Gene Apple's got it made or, or whoever else you want to insert in there. Everybody's asking questions. So right. this is the time we get to lead together rather than just play follow the leader.
0: No, that's you're just dropping some some golden nuggets in there, Rusty. I love it. And here's the thing. When all of this is happening, pastors, churches, fathers, husbands, even kids, we're all trying to figure out, okay, God, how how in the world do I how do I in the world do I survive this? How do how do I lead my family? How do I lead my um, my marriage so I don't blow it up? How do I lead my job? Uh, Lord, I just lost my job. And so we all turn to this thing called prayer, right? And we're trying to communicate with God to help us figure out how in the world do I lead through this season? And so what a great time for a book that you just wrote called After Amen. What to do when you're waiting on God? What a perfect time for that to be released in the midst of this current season. Uh, what was the inspiration or backstory behind writing writing this book?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it may look like I planned this, but i had uh I had no knowledge whatsoever <laughs> that it would come out during the uh worst experience anybody's ever had in the history of time. So um, I'll I'll tell you, and and you can empathize with this because you've been there. As a pastor, you have those moments. You stand out in the lobby and you shake hands. Somebody comes up and tells you a horrific thing going on in their life. And you say, well, let's pray about it. And they look at you like you've just, you know, told them um, the sky is, uh, you know, green because you've said something to them that they've already tried. And they don't believe you. And they look at me and they say, I've tried that and it didn't work. And Mm -hmm. we've all had that experience, pastors included, where you hang up the phone with God and you wonder what's going to happen now. Or to use texting language, you send your text and you see the three bubbles and then you see nothing. What do we do now? And so I had enough of those experiences with people in the lobby. I decided just to do a deep dive into how people... Uh, Ask Jesus for things and what Jesus said to them because those were the first prayers to Jesus And his response was not the same every time. It was not just um, Yes or no. Sometimes it was, you know, go uh, show yourself to the priest and Maybe you'll be healed on the way. I don't know Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was go home and maybe your son will be healed when you get there Sometimes it was you're healed immediately without even asking Sometimes it was, I'm going to spit in the dirt and put mud on your eyes. I want to meet that guy when we get to heaven. I want to meet the guy that Jesus spit on. Because I bet he told that story for the rest of his life, you know? Oh, and, um, and it
0: probably got exaggerated over time. Oh,
1: too. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just started looking at what were the commonalities in the way Jesus responded to people that he would have us, um, you know respond to him while we wait. What I discovered was two things. One first of all there's very there's a whole lot of books on how to pray and there's a lot of books on what to say when you pray like prayer journals. Yeah. There's very few books on what to do after you pray while you wait. There's books about being frustrated with God, but is there something we could do that would actually even impact the answer we got to our prayers? Mm. And the second thing I learned is while Jesus said a lot about how to pray, you know, go into your room, close the door, pray like this, those kind of things. He said a lot more about what to do after we pray. Mm -hmm. And I found seven things in there that really are our next steps after we say amen, that do have the impact or the ability to change how Jesus answers your prayer. And so we're, you know, we've walked through this as a church, through a series, and, um, you know, we want to make that available to pastors. And so, You know, pastors are listening to this and thinking, boy, that would be a good, you know, Bible study for us to do. Great. Uh, If you go to afteramenbook.com, there's a a section there called Church Leaders. Click on that. You know, you you buy a box of books. We're going to send you, you know, free videos that you can use on Zoom calls or in person where people can watch me kind of leading them through the discussion. In fact, your leaders don't even have to do it, I'll do it for you. And if you want to preach these as messages, um, there's nine messages available. They're free. I'll send them to you. You don't even have to give me credit for it. So, uh, it's, it's all for them, but, um, it's just a great way, hopefully to help people with their prayer life because we all pray. We just don't all believe that it works.
0: Absolutely. And we'll, we'll tag those, uh, uh, after amen book at, uh, in the show notes. And also you can get those at pastorrustygeorge.com. I want to talk about one of the, one of the reasons you, you give, or one of the things we can do after we say amen. Uh, you talk about aligning with the why. And I thought this was the most impactful chapter for me personally. Uh, th- there's an honest moment when you write this, and I want to quote this. You said, maybe the bigger issue is that my prayers aren't aligned with his being God's. Why? And so often, so many times, I can I can remember myself just praying for things, knowing deep down, okay, this is probably not what God wants, but I really want this right now, Right. Talk to us about aligning our prayers with God's why.
1: It is funny you mentioned that. Uh, I remember as a kid asking my parents for things, knowing full well what I would do with those things if I got them Mm -hmm. and thinking I could pull the wool over their eyes, you know, and sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. And despite the fact that God is all knowing, we still think he won't know our inner motives. Mm -hmm. And so I love when Jesus models prayer, when he prays in front of his disciples, and even when he teaches them to pray, he says things like, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, take this cup from me, but your will be done. And it's a way of keep reminding himself, uh, because, you know, he doesn't have to give God that permission, but he's reminding himself that the the bigger issue is what God is doing in the world. And some of those things are just for us to ask the question, and it's okay to talk it out with God, but just to talk it out and say, you know what, at the end of the day, if there's a better way for you to do this, or if I'm asking with impure motives, or you know it's just going to wreck my life, then don't let it happen. Right. Uh, you know, when you're 14 years old and you're madly in love with uh, some girl across the room and you want God to, to, you know, make her fall in love with you, now you look back and see her on Facebook and you're like, thank you, Jesus. You know, um, <laughs> <So true>. just, <laughs> just aligning with what God wants best. And God's primary mission is to redeem the world is to draw people Amen. back to him. And that doesn't mean he doesn't care about your dating life or your job. It just helps us to align with his why and figure out why he might say no to some of our requests.
0: Absolutely. And I think that was, I remember writing a, a note in the column just saying, man, w- w- why, my why should never de- um, derail his why. My why should never compete with his why. And if so, then I have the wrong why.
1: Right. That's exactly right. And just to go ahead and and tip off for the the second one of the seven, and that is to yield to his how. And -hmm. sometimes he'll 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 do it, but it won't be in the way that you want. I remember hearing a guy talk about this, how he would pray every day for his city uh, to follow Christ. And it was like God said to him one day, uh, "Okay, is that okay if I do that through a different church than yours? And I remember thinking about that, you know, about my own prayers. And I'm thinking, boy, God, help us to have an impact in this city. Um, Well, what if He does that through another church? Am I okay with Mm. that? No, but I can get there. Give me some time, God, and I'll get there. You
0: you know, what's interesting is uh, you uh, recently released a uh, column on your blog. You You talk about the 20 year anniversary, and you talk about some of the things that you, you know, would change or wouldn't change. And there was this idea that you know. And I may misquote it so you correct me, but that uh you would uh um uh, you wouldn't see other churches and leaders as competition, but as partners, I think is what you said. And it was so good because it's as leaders, whether we're you know, leading our our churches or we're leading our organizations or we're leading in home, man, it'd be easy to look over at the neighbor and say, gosh, you know, he's my competition. I want what he's got. I'm gonna be better than him or the church. And maybe God is just doing something through them that He's a uniquely equipped them for, and we should we should celebrate that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think it was Pastor Larry Osborne said something that changed my thinking on that. He said, "I don't know why pastors get mad when people leave their church." And inside, I'm thinking, "Well, you have twelve thousand people, so no wonder." You 12, <laughs> but he said, "We're all just Sunday schools in God's big church." Mm. And I thought that was so good, because I remember growing up and walking down the hallways and seeing all the different Sunday school classrooms, and there's reasons people are in those versus other ones. And that's okay. And I need to be okay with that. It still hurts when people leave, and I still take it personal, and I still feel inadequate. But there are some people that are going to reach people that I can't, and vice versa. And the quicker we're okay with that, the more we begin to fulfill Jesus' prayer in John 17 for unity.
0: That's so good, Rusty. Well, why don't you bring us home? What would what be a couple? What be couple of things that you would just give us, uh, our listeners, just some encouragement uh, to to continue to lead their home, their their workspaces, their living rooms in this season?
1: Yeah, I would just remind you what I keep reminding myself: God wants uh, the best for you more than you do. Mm. God wants your family to succeed even more than you do. God wants your church to, um, make an impact in the community even more than you do. And even if it's not the way that you assumed, it may not be that your kids all get into Ivy league schools, uh, and somebody pays off your house and Mm. you know, your plumbing never gets clogged. It may not be that your church is the biggest in town and that everybody gives you rave reviews. And, And you get to, you know, uh, get your own TV show. But it it may just be exactly what he's called you to do in that moment. Um, I had a friend that used to play professional basketball. And there was a guy on his team that would look at him every day before a game and say, you just be you. The rest of us will be us. And we'll, we'll win the game. And he said that was so clarifying for him as a shooting guard. He didn't have to be a power forward or a center. He just was what he was called to do. And, you know, in the NBA you're really hired to do one thing really well. That's right. So he made a career out of that. And I think that's true for us as as leaders is Mm. be you, do what you've you've been called to do. And God wants what's best for you.
0: Mm, That's so good. I love that. God wants the best for you better than you want for yourself. That's so good, Rusty. Man, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and dropping these golden nuggets and and talking about your book, After Amen, What to Do While Waiting on God. It is available now, so make sure you go out and get that. Uh, Rusty, give us where we can go get that book again.
1: Yeah, you can get it at my website, com, or AfterAmenBook.com. That's where you'll get all those uh, free you know, resources for uh, pastors, church leaders. Um, but if you'd like to spend more money on it, you can get it at Amazon. Uh, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is, I'll give it to you cheaper. So come, come gotcha. over our way.
0: <laughs> come over that way. Thank you, Rusty, for joining the show. We super appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael. I also want to thank you listeners today. If this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it. If you would provide a positive rate review wherever you listen to podcasts, because that will help this show reach more people. And that's what it's all about. You guys know what I always say. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.